This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with three for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. Beyond the pitch, beyond the results, we're here to connect fans, getting them to embrace the highs and lows of supporting your club because we're not just fans, we're a team. With two in three football fans having struggled with their mental health, we understand that life off the pitch can present its own challenges. That's why we're committed to ensuring you have the tools to stay connected with your friends and fellow supporters. Take a moment to connect with your mates. A simple text or an open conversation can make a world of difference. And if they don't respond right away, don't hesitate to follow up. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Sunday the 21st of August 2022, not October, like I said on the last pod, idiotically. Today's show, we relive what was a pulsating Lancashire derby at Turf Moor as the Seasiders fought back from two goals down, not once but twice, to return to Falcos with a much-deserved and hard-earned point. I'm John Asmore, this is the Seasiders podcast, match reaction show, Burnley 3, Blackpool 3. Uh, good evening, everybody. Welcome back to Seasiders Podcast Match Reaction Show. And I think, gents, just before we start, we should all just raise a glass, a can, a bottle of whatever you're drinking to those boys in Tangerine at Turf Moor on Saturday. What a brilliant performance and afternoon, Nick. Oh, it's one of those games I think you'll... You'll you'll talk about in twenty years time. You know when you look back about favourite away games, uh, it had everything, didn't it? You know it was uh, absolutely fantastic, particularly second half and uh, a well deserved point. Yeah, <laughs> what, what football's about games like yeah. that. I think I put that on my Twitter on the Twitter feed afterwards. Um, so it's what you live for at football, Sean. Just unmute yourself before you come in. Um, green room. We were just talking about Sean's experience from the press box. But you said to me you'd rather been in the limbs than in the press box when that third went in. How did it look like from, from up there? Absolute carnage, I think, would be the word <laughs> to describe it. I think, to be fair, when I came into the ground early doors, I saw that fence between the two fans and about six stewards. I was sort of expecting the worst, to be honest. But, uh, you know, they weren't too bad, eh? but absolute carnage in there. I think I said to Michael Appleton afterwards, I think I asked a question about the fans. I said there'd be a few bruises in the morning, I think. He thought as much when he looks across as well, and you know it was just unbelievable. And I, like I say, I'd have much rather have been in there. I'd have paid 
no amount of money to to have been in there than sat in the press box. When that third went in, I was I was at the front with Eddie. As as you can see on the club's yeah. official Twitter feed. TV <laughs> <laughs> yep. Um yeah, I was that I was at the bottom with Eddie and when the third went in, it was just chaos, pandemonium where I was. I think I've got cut shins, Mitch. I think I've got marks all over my legs. So any any incidents where you were celebrating, or was it just a nice polite round of applause? Yeah, we just started well played chaps and then sat down again. No, 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 it was it was it was sensational. Um I I'd spent about fifteen minutes being quite annoyed by the bloke in front of me and then about fifteen minutes later I was all over it like, in his arms and it was great, you know. So I had a very strange celebration where I kind of set off like up the up up the row of seats. It just sort of vacated and I found myself kind of running sideways, which was quite odd, but there we go. I lost uh, I lost Eddie in a melee at the front. I was like, oh my God, he's going to get like trampled to death because it was just chaos. People were just flying everywhere and my specs got knocked off. <laughs> my bins went flying, so I had to go and get a, a, a steward to go and pick him up for me in front. I was like, oh fucking hell, someone's going to step on him. We'll be able to see the next. Which did you go for first, your glasses or Eddie? Um... Neither. I was just too busy loving it. So it'll be all right. And I was a bit worried actually, but he's thankfully he was fine. He was just loving it himself. He was he was absolutely buzzing at the end of that. He said that was brilliant. It was the best. He said it's the best day of his life. So he's well and truly hooked into the uh, tangerine machine now, which was brilliant. Um, just that comment from Dennis there. Look at that one. The fans look like maggots in a jar when that third goal went. <laughs> that sums it up perfectly. But yeah, um, everybody, welcome to the to the show this evening. It's great to have on everyone on. It's sure to be a great show this evening. So um, pre-match, a bit of a preamble. What we all got up to, Nick, you went on the uh, PLF coach. What was it like yes, on there? yeah. Yeah, there was two coaches actually went from the thatched. Um, it was quite sensible actually because I was going to me brother-in-law's later on to watch the boxing. So I thought if I get leathered, I'll end up falling asleep and I'll miss the fight. So I took it very steady actually, considering it was uh, it was Burnley away. So we um, we got there for about what time was it? Half one ish, I think something like that. Um, and we were going to go to that cricket club, but it was absolutely heaving. So we just ended up, there was like a little outside fan zone tent type thing just just in the away end. So I went in there with Tim and we saw Mitch there as well, just had a pint pre-match and then uh, and then went into the game. So reasonably sensible for mm. once for me. Mitch, differences from Turf Moor since we last went... I noticed that little mark here. That, that's pretty new, isn't it, since we last uh, visited Turf Moor and the two corners are filled in. It kind of had a bit of a more of a Premier League feel, didn't it? Yeah, it did in some ways, but at the same time, it was still a bit ramshackle. You know, it's, it's, it was it's sort of looking out onto Premier League ground, but but actually the stand we were in was... was I mean, the, the wooden seats aren't there anymore, are they? But, but apart from that, it was like the gangways were really small and it was really, it's quite a hassle getting around that stand. Like 
sort of getting in and out and people were rowing in the um in the gangways because gangs gangways were so small um so yeah i mean they've obviously tarted it up a bit but it was still it was still resolutely burnley lipstick on a pig i think is quite an apt yeah. phrase <laughs> when we when we got there i don't know what it was like for you two in the stands but it's it was absolutely heaving. I think I got to the ground about 10 to trying to get up to find our seats. That was a, a, a not possible to find out where you actually sat, but it was just absolutely rammed. You just couldn't get anywhere. And it was, I think from, from watching it on the other side, the, the two, there's only two actual exits, aren't there in that, in that stand. And it obviously, because everyone was kind of trying to get into the side where everyone was standing. The, that first one was just completely blocked and then the second one because everyone was then having to make their way around to that one was starting to get blocked as well it seems like there's for the amount of fans in there there's probably not as many exits as you probably need there to actually get out and you could see it with a queuing you say that Sean but I, I was I'd gone in I just thought well I can't be arsed getting into the big crush of people and even on this I was on the side where where it didn't appear I mean I don't know if we sold out and people had just wrapped, pushed into one side or whether whether we you know there were a few tickets left but there was a few spaces around me and even then you couldn't move around the stand you know you'd like you'd, I'd sort of try and get out and go back into the concourse it was impossible just to get to the exit because those those gangways are, are so tiny that lead to the concourse it was so narrow up in the, the press box area as well it's so steep with the way up and as I was saying to you beforehand there was like loose concrete blocks as steps getting your way up and I mean the desk I put my laptop on the desk and the laptop was already like coming off the edge of the desk which shows you how narrow that even they were so it's just an incredibly narrow stadium for some reason. It was, I don't know. It, it, it was a bit worrying at one point. The, the crush, um, make sure Nick, I don't know if you saw it. There's just tons of people and there's loads of people coming behind and it might have been pretty scary for kids. And I said to the copper, I said, are you going to maybe try and sort something out here? And she just dissolved herself from all responsibility. She said, oh no, it's nothing to do with us. The stewards have to deal with it. So I said, right, he's going to leave it then. Yeah, I think, and it just ends up, because nobody sits in the seat, do they, on, on games like that, really. It's just you get in there and go over your mates or sort of thing. And where we were, because as we came in, I say it was just single file to then get further up the stand. And, but there was people coming back who obviously couldn't find anywhere yeah. to sit. So it was just a complete blockage. Um, and then there was loads of people just in the gangway. But I suppose it adds to the atmosphere then, doesn't it? Because I couldn't believe how close the Burnley fans were and there wasn't really a lot of segregation going on. There was a, there was there was plenty of banter and, and back and forth, put it that way. But I suppose it adds to the atmosphere, doesn't it? You know, especially when you you go two nil down and three one down and then and then pull it back when they're right next year. There's two things there. One, it makes a mockery the fact we seem to have to have away fans half a mile away from home fans. I don't really understand that. why that's the case. Mm. And two, it also like the the culture is such that everyone stands at away games, and I love it. And and it's just been accepted now that that's what happens by you know stewards and authorities and police. And it's it you never get you know you never get told to sit down at away ground. Um, and it's just why can't we just have a terrace then? Because if that had been a terrace, everyone could have just gone and stood yeah. where they wanted, and it would have been quite simple and, and quite straightforward. I thought about that when I was watch, watching a game in Scotland, and I was on a terrace, and I was like. I'd forgotten how actually terraces just organise themselves and are quite straightforward. And if you don't have massive fences at the front, then they're not actually particularly fundamentally unsafe. Um, 
And and so those away games just just make me think of that. How there's the same row after every big away game about should you sit in your allocated seat or should you go where you want? And there's always somebody who's furious because they can't sit in the seat. And there's always somebody saying, "Shut up, that's not what it's about." And it's like, well, if we just if it's just a terrace, then it'd be it'd be fine. Well, yeah, pe- people can just the lads who who want to get involved in the band so they can just go over there. The families, the older people can go over the other side and it's it's fine. But then I it was I I was I wasn't scared. I was just thinking that this could be a bit dodgier, particularly for you know, for kids, um, elderly people. But yeah, it all it all worked out in the end. Um right, the game itself then. Great start, eh? <laughs> <laughs> are you are you putting the team up? Oh yes. Someone talk while I do it. <laughs> well, the obvious yeah, thing on the team was, um, I mean, we said it when we were having a drink outside, the obvious thing from the team was the selection of Corbyn, who, which I don't think mm-hmm. anybody had, had really picked. And I, and I must admit, I read the team wrong. I thought, oh, Corbyn, who in midfield, that's different. And, I, and you know, that was seemed completely bought from the blue, but then it, it didn't actually turn out to be that way. And I'd, I'd sort of misread the team and then was surprised again when I found out where Bowler was actually playing. Yeah, that would, I think um, I think we all thought that, Bowler, that Corbyn would be in the 10 um, initially. And then obviously, as it turned out, Lavery had been put on the right to deal with, with Matson, who obviously will come on to had an interesting game, but obviously he's marauding fullback. Um, and then, obviously, as you say, Josh Bowler in that in that ten role, and then Corbyn on the left. And I, I mean, we'll come on to, but I thought Corbyn was was good out of possession, which was probably quite a key part of the the game. I did I did laugh, Sean, listening to the the audio of the preview show when you when you said sometimes he doesn't know what his own feet are doing. I think that was quite way describing <laughs> laughing at that. But um, yeah, so it was Grimshaw, Gabriel, Ekpatetta, Williams, Thompson, Connolly, Dougal. Corbin Ubola, Lavery and Yates. Sean, were they adopting our safety first approach with Dougal and Connolly sort of sitting defensive midfields? How did you see the formation lining up? Yeah, it looked like Four, a 4-2-3-1 two, three, one. With, with, with Bowler in the 10, but um, I mean, what was the formation in the first 15 minutes, to be honest, but I think they were trying to get to grips with it themselves, but Connolly and Dougal for a midfield pair were quite advanced at times themselves as well pushing forward once we kind of smell blood so but yeah it was that two holding I think you're copying off Appleton there yes I am he said you know, that didn't he messiah. smells messiah. blood you're like smell his disciple blood. yeah to be fair to him I've... to spread the message <laughs> of Appleton to the world I liked that description he used um as the, I think the fans on the the team both smelt blood that's what he said in the second half but we'll come to that um Nick any any issues with that team he's put out? Um, no, I mean, quite a few of them pick themselves at the moment, don't they, with, with where we are with injuries, with what happened at QPR. Um, it was just whether it would be, I suppose, Corbino or um, or Sonny Carey in. Um, you know, we knew Gabriel was going to come back in in defence. Uh, and the rest of it, yeah, pretty much picks itself, I think, for me at the moment. Mitch, I'd have liked to have seen James Husband in the starting lineup, perhaps for this game. But where, um, you, where would you where would you shoehorn him in? Shoehorn him in. I just think he's the perfect type of player for games like this. 
I'd always like to see Jimmy, but I, I I wouldn't have put him in myself. I don't think Thompson deserves to lose the shirt. Um, you know, I, I am um, maybe not president of the Jimmy fan club, but certainly a paid-up member of it. Um, but I don't think Thompson deserves to, to lose the shirt. And, I mean, I, well, again, we'll come to the game. I don't think Thompson had a, maybe quite as good a game as he's had in some games. Um, but for me, the one was I, I was astonished. I was well, maybe not astonished, but I was disappointed he hadn't picked Carey because I mean, you talked on the preview pod about it being a sort of a, a big um, chance for Carey. Um, next few games being really a big test of whether he's going to make it or not. And, and not to reprise me, Rob Apter rant, but I was slightly disappointed to see. Corbin who in, in with the shirt instead of our own player who's you know kind of coming coming of age and facing that test of whether he whether he's going to make it or not um so that 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 was my honest reaction to the team was was I was happy enough with it but I'd have liked seeing Carey in there to be honest well he certainly stamped his mark on the game but we shall Absolutely. be well, we shall be coming to that right Sean Awful start for Blackpool. However, a moment of absolute class from is it Brownell was that his name? Yeah, um, it, it was good. It's a really good strike because he had to adjust like last minute as well because of the way the ball fell, and he still hit it in the top corner. But obviously, we could have probably dealt with the initial ball and the striker being able to sort of hit it down for Brownell to strike in the first place. And that's the thing. I don't. I don't think there was anything particularly wrong with the way we approached it. Um, Burnley were always going to have that the bulk of possession and I presume he was probably kind of taking things from that Swansea game but then to the extreme because Burnley are a lot better at doing it than Swansea are um, and it was more just little individual ad- errors and sort of lapses of concentration that cost us in those opening stages and that was a, a case of it but again it's not really much you can do when someone's striking a ball like that. Nick over to you now this game Reminded me a lot of Fulham away last season. Cast your mind back to that. Yeah, <clears throat> first 15 minutes where we're, we're massively up against it and I think Tim looked at me when it had gone to tea and said, this could be a long afternoon and you're thinking, how are we going to get back into it? And and I've just watched the highlights back before and, you, you know, you, I think Burnley are going to be up there, aren't they, probably? Um, they were a different class in that first 10 minutes it looked like they were, they were going to well, steamroll they were, they were shaky defensively as the match went on but yeah certainly going forward they were just picking us off at will um, it was a long ball wasn't it and Marv got caught a little bit for it but it was a it was a great finish um, yeah and you're thinking because it's not a as we've said uh, previously it's not a ground that we've got a brilliant record at and um start like that yeah I just thought are we going to have the carrot to get to get back into it um, you know, thankfully we did but yeah it was first 15 minutes it was very very difficult Mitch I had some uh, Burnley fan where snide and arrogant remark at me as I was walking past that cricket field towards the ground saying yeah, you come see a good team he's like saying oh you're looking forward to your defeat today how many are you going to concede I was like yeah whatever mate but I was thinking after 11 minutes, after Nathan Teller's banged in uh, second, I thought, oh, Christ, he was right. And uh couldn't really see any way back from that at that point. No, I couldn't. It was like, my dad always used to say this, this thing to me when we used to go to games. My dad always used to say, if, if, if when you know, you and Nick will remember this, the, the sort of, 
you know, when we sort of, we just played Stoke or someone and we just looked really small and they all looked about half a foot bigger than us. My dad always used to go, oh, well, nothing doing today. The bigger and the better. And that was it. And I just felt like that. It just felt like this, they're a different class, you know. Um, and at that point, it felt as if the pattern of the game was probably going to, we were going to do not very much and then they were going to score about every eight or nine minutes and it was going to be a disaster because we'd done absolutely nothing. It wasn't It wasn't just that they'd scored two goals, but we'd, we'd barely really got out of our own half, had we? And they were just, they were just so on top. But actually, in retrospect, when you look back at the game, they basically had the chances that they scored with and, and very little else. You know, as the game went on, it, it it didn't play it like that at all. But but it it totally did. You know that that first whatever it was, ten fifteen minutes was just a nightmare. Sean, obviously you had a a good vantage point from the press box. Were you worried from what you saw, and did you think it was a, a complete golfing class between the two sides? First fifteen minutes, I was worried with how clinical they were being. Um, but I don't think we were particularly like completely overrun to to sort of a massive extent. It was just that you know they had like they went in at half time with three shots on target and three goals. Sometimes it's just games just go like that. But if, if you're looking at them consistently opening us up, I don't think they really were. They were playing it about well in in the midfield, and we we weren't really getting hold of the ball consistently. I think the issue sometimes in in these opening stages when we are a bit nervy. We we slack with possession when we get it, and then we kind of just bring this, the they sort of bring the opposition back onto us, and it gives them confidence to keep coming at us because we're a little bit shaky ourselves in possession. But I thought, look, obviously two 0 down, you're like, great, this is this is going to be a long day. But they looked a little bit stuttery themselves, and we were still pressing from the front even in the early stages. So I didn't think we were going to lose six or seven, but um, I was worried about how clinical they were. Yeah. Nick, just before we got our first, there was, cast your mind back, that Nathan Teller had another, uh, a very telling moment in the game, if you will. Um, he had a shot that was just deflected wide, mm. very close to going in. If that had gone in, that would have been it. So it's very fine margins, <clears throat> isn't it? That's in game it over 3-0. Yeah, it was. And, um, but then, you know, even at, we said at half time, like 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 Sean said, they well, I said to Tim as well, everything the hits going in here pretty much. Mm. And mm. but we still had some very good chances. Obviously our goal, we they just looked shaky when we pressed them um at the back, which which we did a bit as well, to be fair. Um and, and Corbino did really I think it was Yates had, had started to press the keeper, so he's knocked it out and uh Corbino's robbed our defender and, and slotted it home and um yeah, and then you're thinking, right, come on, get back into it, and and then it, you know, and then it goes three one, um, with it was a bit of a deflection, wasn't it, off Marv, I think. Yeah, um, Lavery had had a touch, and it was Gabriel slipped, didn't he? Um, you know, and and then you're just thinking, oh, we've got it back to two one. Come on, maybe get to half time at two one, three one down, and you're thinking, you know, have we got the character to get back into it? Um, but even then, in the first half, we had we still had some very very good chances. That lavery it chance, lavery chance. I mean, I've not seen I've not seen it, I've not seen a replay. Of it, so I don't know how close it was. Um, 
but he's kind of one of them where you just wait, you just expect it to hit the back of the net. It's up the other end, but you just you just expect it to hit the back of the net. And I think there was a chance as well where I think the ref blew up for it, where there was a bit of a scramble in the six yard box. So although you know we've we've let three in, it could have it could have easily been three all at half time with the chances we had. Mitch, just going back to to our our goal, Corbin, who's. I just thought it was incredible how shaky their keeper was trying to play it out from the back. I mean, he's played he's played a hospital ball, really, into their defender. He never looked comfortable with the ball at his feet. And, and it's pretty incredible that they're trying to play this kind of system with players that clearly can't do it. But it was, um, it was a, a cool finish from Corbinu, nonetheless. It was a high-pressure moment of the game, and he had to slot away quite easily have snatched at that. I think if Lavery had got that, it would have probably, probably missed. Yeah, it was a very cool finish. It was so cool that me and the, the lad next to me were going, well, what happened there? We, we both thought it was going to be disallowed because it was so cool. You know, he just took it so calmly and then he reacted so calmly to scoring. He just sort of like wandered off like, oh, I've scored. And we both sort of like, have we scored? Yeah, and then kind of... Yes, we've you know we've, we've scored and and we, like it it just felt like he just passed it to Corbinu, who then passed it in the net from from the distance of it, which was it was a really strange goal. But they were they were shaky at the back, and I think you know I, they said after after the first fifteen minutes or whatever, I thought it was going to be a disaster because I hadn't really they hadn't really revealed that they were shaky at the back yet. And um, but as soon as we started to get at them, I think you know it, it was evident that that we were always going to be just, we were always going to, as long as we could not get too far behind, we were always going to have a bit of a shout if we could get at them, you know, and obviously at half time, I was, I was therefore going, right, we just need to get Gaz on and smack it at him and put him under as much pressure as possible. Um, And actually probably fair play to Appleton. They didn't go for that till, till, till the point of maximum impact. Max Gaz. To the point of Max Gaz. Absolutely. (laughs) The moment of maximum gas. Yeah, yeah. Sixty-two minutes. We can't go that far already. Christ! <laughs> I'll, I'll bring it back to the, uh, the. I thought the Burnley fans were ridiculous. The way they were getting on the team's back about it, though, because they're three-one up at half time. But even in when they were three-one up, they were every time they had the ball at the back, even in like a completely sound situation, it's like this. Like Sean Dyche was over all of their shoulders, just telling them it was wrong because he was just right on the back of the keeper and that couldn't have done him any confidence with, with how sort of they were they were taking it. I didn't actually think he was too bad. There was a couple of occasions where he made the odd bad decision, but I thought he made a couple of good saves and he, he generally played it all right. But they I were, they made were hounding the guy. Stops. They were just hounding him and I don't get it. That Harwood Bellis was brilliant at bringing the ball out in the early stages and, and threading balls through. I mean, he, he provided the assist for Teller. Um I, I, I thought they were, they were pretty fine, and at the end of the day, Solly Bloody should be the amount of money they're dishing out for these players. And all will happen is they'll just continue to buy more players until they have the right players to play that. But I think that not Murich was all right at it, and obviously they're in the early stages of it. But they're not going to trust that process the way they're going on about it. It was ridiculous to me. Shouts would go along at like thirty minutes in. I was like, "What's going on here?" And as company said afterwards, obviously he was talking about like percentages, and he said basically you either go all in on that style or you go all in long ball. He said, if we sort of half house it, then we're in the middle of nowhere and they're not going to get anywhere. So 
he's already kind of having to consistently defend what he's doing. So good luck to him because I, I know some of our fans have got an Appleton's back, but I think they kind of can appreciate having patience when it comes to things like that. It's clear that they don't. I was going to say, Sean, imagine a home crowd shouting at the manager and getting impatient. Eh? I wonder I know, yeah, who would do that? <laughs> <laughs> it's funny, Sean, because I did actually mention, uh, sorry, I heard company saying that sometimes we do need to go along if there's if there's space there to exploit. So maybe he's caught in two minds with his They, with his they system. did towards, towards well, the they end. Did, they did, did. But it's like they have to... Well, exactly, because... The thing we've playing out from the back, people think that it's just like we're now going to ins- just play little bit by bit, make our way up the field. If you, the whole point of it is to draw the the other opposition out so that you can then hit them in behind, and that's what they did to us in the early stages. I think people, their fans, clearly have a complete misconception of what it is, and because obviously if they just lumped it long from the off, then we're just sat there in two banks of four and we're fine. Whereas if they're drawing us out like they did and then playing through, the, at the end of the day, it's ideal preparation for them longer term to play a team like us who has just gone at them pressing because it gets them used to it and the, the way they're able to then play through a press. Once they start being able to play through it, no one will be able to beat them. Luckily, that moment wasn't at the weekend. Um, <laughs> so, second second half, Sean, we'll just keep, keep you uh, as the speaker at the moment. What do you think Michael Appleton did at, at half-time? I mean, it was pretty difficult from my vantage point. But was it more of a kind of a 4-4-2 switch in the second half? So what formation do you think we switched to? And what do you think he said and did and recognised needed to happen at the break to, to counter what Burnley were doing? And it was so effective. It, it definitely seemed like Bowler was higher up the pitch initially. And I think, obviously, as you said before, we smelt blood of the of what they were doing at the back and we he just as he said in his interview I think well let's just go for it and obviously towards the end it was like 4-2-4 once Gary Medine came on at times which was just ridiculous which is great to see because we all love that but um, that that was it it was just look, they, as, I think they sense it themselves the players are getting really buying into it now I think over the past couple of weeks and you can tell that, like, if you go in and say because I was talking about XG at half time to people who were telling me we were going to get battered at half time and I was like, oh, actually, in terms of chance creation, we've been okay. Um, and it's three shots on target, three goals to Burnley. That is just not sustainable. It's not going to happen in the second half. And if they're sort of giving up chances like they were, we, we can get into it. And at the end of the day, the message has been the same from Appleton throughout, really. And when he's giving those consistent messages, people are going to buy into it. And we clearly did because we came out like, I, I would argue that second half is the best we've played since fans have come back, personally. It's a bold shout, Sean. That's a bold shout. But Mitch, hard to hard to argue with that first five minute spell. I mean, we could have scored quite easily two goals in that that first little period. Um, we've got Jerry Yates trying to capitalise on the the goalie's mistake. There was Gabriel when he headed wide. Then that free kick after that run from yeah, Bowler. That was it. Was a lovely free kick. It really was. And to be fair to their keeper, I thought it was a superb save because um, he got it right down in the in the bottom corner. He sort of, how he got, got it through the wall, I don't know. And I think the keeper must have been pretty upside, unsighted. Um, and he sort of just clawed it out. Um, and yeah, we, we, were, we were all over them. Um, and I, I suppose... I was just worried that it was going to be another one of those days where, you know, Jerry nearly scores and, you know, Lavery gets into a great position and slices it wide. And, and I was, you know, I was enjoying the way we were playing a, a lot. And, and I, 
I would agree with you with what Sean said there. It was an absolutely fantastic half of football. Um, I think the only game I can think of that was up with it in terms of um, football or, you know, enjoyment of what we were doing was probably the Bournemouth away game under Critchley, which was which was a similar thing. But I think this was more joyous and more raw and more daring than that. Oh, almost, so almost, almost like well. Fulham, almost like Fulham as well. You know, we we made comparisons with the start of the game with Fulham. Again, the, how we played after the the unfortunate incident with the Fulham spot. I'd say it was as good as that, Sean. It's well, I always, I always loved that Reading performance in our way at Reading, and just the way we were able to sustain pressure and just kept coming and kept coming, and there was no relenting because we were always, we've always been a team over the past couple of seasons that plays well in spells of games. We've never had a complete ninety minutes where we've been at it at that level. And the way that we played in that second half, they just could not find an out ball for like 30 minutes. We just kept coming back. And this is a side that have spent 15, 20 million quid. They're about to spend 5 million quid again on another, another striker. They've got scouting networks all across Europe at the moment. They've got established Premier League players still in the squad. It's And we're doing that to them in this side that we've consistently said needs three or four extra bodies and had two midfielders out. It's... Well, we, we forget, two, we we forget that, Connell, don't we? we? Yeah, we forget think that. Think about what we thought about Kenny Dougal about three weeks ago, where he was. We had Callum Connolly and Kenny Dougal in central midfield, both players that we've wrote off at times in their career in Blackpool. And then we had Theo Corbin in the 10, well, Josh Bowler in the 10, and, and it was just well, brilliant. For five minutes in the second half, we had CJ Hamilton in central midfield. And we still <laughs> he was decent, point, though. So. He was decent, wasn't he? He had a good I game. He did well, yeah. 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 He did well when he came on. Mitch, a, a telling moment in the game for me. Obviously, we've dominated, we've dominated the second half. But Burnley replacing Jay Rodriguez with Ashley Barnes. I think that was a strange move from company I think Rodriguez was causing problems he laid off yeah. um, Brownell for their goal he was you can tell he's a a Premier League or well, ex-Premier League player he's a class player and I think they kind of went into their own their old Sean Dice mind, mindset when they brought Ashley Barnes on because he's more of a target man kind of player well there's two things there number one I agree entirely with what you said about um, Rodriguez I he's like the player we haven't got you know the, mm. the, the lad who's big and skillful and mobile and you know he just looks uh, an absolute class act like Gaz 2.0 well That's, his yeah. name's Jay Beasley mate he's <laughs> um, Junior John Murphy um, <laughs> but the second thing was obviously at the point when Barnes came on I thought oh, because you, you kind of think oh good Rodriguez is going off Mm-hmm. And then they go and coming on for Burnley number whatever he is Ashley Barnes and you think it's not that long ago since I was driving home in the car and I had six oh six or whatever on and they're going you know tell you what Robbie what about Ashley Barnes for England what do you think about that you know because he, he he's a player that scored goals in the Premier League and you think so my 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 you know that's always the mark of a side that are bigger than you when they bring on the subs and the frightening so I thought it was going to be you know I thought it was going to be the moment maybe the game turned for them and actually Barnes did absolutely nothing just kind of bounced off him a few times and he trotted around not looking particularly interested interested so yeah I think you're probably right in terms of their decisions it it, it was a pretty important moment obviously um we made our changes two minutes later uh was it Medine for Corbin who 
Uh, obviously, yeah, we're pleased that we made money. We had we had a free kick, and Theo looked like it. Theo was going to take it, and then he didn't realise he was being subbed <laughs> for ages because he was he was he was looking forward to taking a free kick. Uh, so obviously, Big Gaz has made the difference, Mitch. Because ten minutes later, um, we're back in the game. Shane Lavery, uh, talk us through talk us through the goal. Uh, how he felt when it went in. Um, I have absolutely no idea that he'd scored. I just knew he'd scored. Um, it, that was was that the Gabriel one? Gabe, Gabe yes. brilliant yeah. run, brilliant run right. down the right. Yeah. Gabriel. Well, it all started actually one of Gaz's lovely little flicks <laughs> where he just changed the direction of play um, and out to Bowler, who who was uncharacteristically um, played a, an early pass. Lovely ball to Gabriel, and I thought, I thought, oh, he's gone too far, you know, because Gabriel has. I love Gabriel, but he can sometimes overrun it. You know, he sort of run right along the byline as if he's trying to run it in at the near post. And I thought, oh, he's take it too far. He's take it too far. And I was really struck where I was. It was quite difficult to actually see the the byline and the front post. And then it. Suddenly, I'd lost the ball, and then suddenly it came across, and there was this big melee, and then they just ran away and would scored, and it was it was just fantastic because it it, it kind of just really felt like that you know this is on now, this is on because we played so well, and like I say, you know, I was worried that we were we were going to have one of those spells where we play really well and 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 get nothing, and we got something, and you could tell they were so shaky that there were more, you know, we could get more. Nick, uh, describe the scenes when that went in. Were, were you actually oh. were you near the away fans in the in the ground? Um, no, we were about half fans, halfway sorry. across. So, um, but I couldn't actually see the goal line. So where we were, you could see the goal, but but not the goal line. So just kind of saw Gabriel, you know, make his run, and similar to Mitch, I thought, oh, has he overrun it? And then he got a bit of a tap, didn't he? And stumbled a bit, and I thought, oh, is he going to go down? Stayed on his feet, got his head up. And I just saw the ball go up. Time for a quick break in proceedings to say, if you're enjoying this content and want to say thanks for the pods, please consider joining our Patreon support programme. Starting from the price of a pint per month, Patreon allows you to contribute towards our production costs, gear upgrades, and our drinks tab at the dog. Your support will ultimately make the show bigger, better, and I like eating a tin of prunes more regular. You'll also get extra stuff in return, like all the podcasts before general release, Backstage access to us and our guests, exclusive Patreon-only shows, and other random bits and pieces. So head on over to patreon.com forward slash pod to find out more and hopefully sign up. Cross and didn't see who got the touch and just saw the net ripple because I couldn't see the goal line. And oh, it was just absolute carnage, you know, hugging strangers and all sorts. Um, and fully deserved. And I was pleased for, for Lavery because... You know, he never stops running. He'd had a couple of chances, and there was there was one in the second half where just before I think he got in a decent position and really overhit across to nobody, and there was quite a few people kind of having a, a bit of a moan at him. Um, so it was it was really pleasing to see. You know, it was only it wasn't far out it was a tapping, but but nevertheless, you know, great to see and pandemonium in the away end. Sean, I think there was as Nick's just said, there was a bit of a call for. Lavery to be to be subbed. He wasn't having the best game, was he? But it's a sign of a a good striker that even on a bit of an off day, you you can still score a goal in a high pressure moment like that. Well, that's, I think he was. I thought he was playing well. Um, I'd, it's just those 
little decisions and moments that are just not quite happening for him at the moment. I think he said himself in the player interviews with, with um, Blackpool that he's played he played poorly. I think Gates said the same, so that's always a good sign if we've played like we have and all the players think they've they've not played that well. Um, I mean, I, I, wouldn't, I don't think CJ Hamilton would have made the difference as much as, as Lavery did in that game, so it's kind of like who who would you play instead on that left wing? I quite like him on that in that. Picture the scene. All of your mates around. You've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Partner this with your team playing champagne football. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. There's nothing quite like a McDelivery. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with three for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. Beyond the pitch, beyond the results, we're here to connect fans, getting them to embrace the highs and lows of supporting your club. Because we're not just fans, we're a team. With two in three football fans having struggled with their mental health, we understand that life off the pitch can present its own challenges. That's why we're committed to ensuring you have the tools to stay connected with your friends and fellow supporters. Take a moment to connect with your mates. A simple text or an open conversation can make a world of difference. And if they don't respond right away, don't hesitate to follow up. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Position, to be honest, I think, especially in a game like that where it's off the ball work is is the key. I think there was a moment in the 50th minute or so just before where um, they, they were playing about at the back and they clearly Lavery, there was just a switch in his head and he was like, do you know what, fuck this. And then just ran, just pressed and charged about four players. That was when he um, he nicked the ball off the goalkeeper and I can't remember what the chance was at the end of that because we had about 19, but that was just simply from him just, just for some reason just turning and doing it. And he's this player that can sense things sometimes with pressing, pressing that other players can't. So he was really key, I thought, to, to the way we played in the second half. I think just to jump in a second as well on Lavery, I think that what was irritating me a bit about people getting on Lavery's back was that he's been playing on the uh, the on one side of a three up front and then we'd gone to a sort of four four two come four two four where he's really now playing like a sort of a, a wide midfielder, which is really not his game, you know. And I think I just got I felt like cut him a bit of slack because he's 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 a centre forward and he was really playing out of position then and as Sean said still putting an absolute shift in and he's done everything right apart from score and now he's scored so hopefully he's he's gonna be you know actually getting back to being on fire less snatchy as well hopefully yeah. that goal's calmed he's next good good he's um he's off the score sheet anyway um there was three changes made not long after that goal husband um, Carey and Hamilton on for Thompson, Gabriel, so Lavery, as we've just ma- mentioned. Sean, CJ Hamilton did make a very good impact. I know we've been a bit harsh on him on here, but I think he, he did have a very good game and he, he was nearly amongst the goals, nearly getting the equaliser. So he's... Yeah, that was, that was a great ball across as well um, to, to him at the back post. I think, yeah, I quite like the fact that those substitute substitution stayed as well like we still made those triple subs after the goal because I know that some managers get a bit weird where suddenly always scores that completely changes the pattern of the game but the same things were still happening so the same subs still needed to be made and it just allowed us to keep that energy up in the final third and it showed didn't it with with us sort of sustaining the pressure straight from that goal and then after obviously after the the CJ Hamilton chance then then we get our goal as well 
So Nick, talk us through the goal. Obviously, it's it's come from a, a corner in my show notes. I've put um, brilliantly worked set piece corner that looks like it's been worked on in the training ground. Because when I forget who took the corner, I was thinking, oh god, it's too long. But that looked like it was planned to me. Yeah, Kenny peeled off his man brilliantly, didn't he? And uh, I think Sandy Porter's mentioned in the comments there that uh, Big Gaz uh, got involved with the uh, the Burnley defender. Um, Kenny peels off to the back post and, you know, calm as you like, like Kenny is, squares a great ball. And the thing is as well, set pieces for us, you know, particularly in first, they were terrible. Remember that first half? Like, remember the first half one where we didn't even get a cross in? Short one, yeah, and and then another one where it didn't beat the first man, and it's like, come on, you're away at Burnley, it's tough. You know, you've got to try and make the most of these set pieces, and 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 thankfully we did on that one. It was, uh, yeah, uh, Kenny peeled off brilliantly, laid it across, and who else do you want there? But super Jerry Yates, and if there was pandemonium for the second goal, well, the third one, it was just. Like I said at the start of the show, it's that's what football's about. Moments like that, you you'll remember it in twenty years' time. It was absolute carnage, and, and it's great when it's horrible when you're next to home fans when they're they're scoring and going two 0 up. But when you when you're coming back from three one down, absolutely oh. fantastic. You everyone's just you know piling to what, and I've seen the footage of it since. It just looks amazing. There's been a few different accounts on Facebook and Twitter saying. Look at this reaction from Blackpool fans for for three all, and uh, yeah, absolute carnage and absolutely phenomenal and very well deserved as well. There was only one team in it in that second half, and it was it was thoroughly deserved. Yeah. Uh, Mitch, from from your vantage point, where whereabouts were you exactly when the ball at the back of the net, and what were the scenes like where where you were? As I said, for me, there was just bodies everywhere. It was just. It was just a, a brilliant, brilliant moment. It's something I, I will never forget, that one that hit the back of the net. I think it's it's got to be up there in one of my, I don't know, top five, top three moments ever being an away game. It was just brilliant. It was, I can imagine, I can imagine snowball, not that I ever have, but they say snowballing heroin and cocaine at the same time. I can imagine it'd be like that. <laughs> that high, that high you got when that hit the back of the net. Yeah, it was unreal. Um, and all goals are great goals, but Jerry goals are nearly as good as Gary goals. Um, I would no. I mean, look, I, is there a player you want to score that goal more in the world than Jerry Yates? Really? And I think it wasn't just that it was three three; it was that it was Jerry, and that he just it, that photograph. I don't know if you've seen the picture of him. Where where he's, he's he's sort of wheeled away, and he's just looking at the fans with this look of pure delight and joy. And what what's what's wonderful about Jerry is he still he still looks like I don't know he still plays football like he's just scored in the playground and he's running off going look at that to his mates. You know, there's just such a a delight in that. So yeah, it was it was. It was one of those goals where after we'd scored it, about 90 seconds later, I had to kind of stop and sort of kneel down for a minute because I was worried that I might keel over because, you know, everybody around me had celebrated so hard that I just kind of, 
I'd gone a bit faint. I'm just going to check no, my look. heart rate, actually. I'm a, <laughs> you know heart rate monitor on your Apple Watch? I'm just going to have a quick look at that. Go on, Matt. Still, still talk while I'm doing it. I'm a man. Yeah, I can't multitask. You know, I'd, I'd, I had quite literally gone gone dizzy. And I think the last time I did that was probably at Wembley when Kenny put his second in. You know, it was it was magic. I need to, oh, you can only check your current day. I'll check it on my phone. Um, Sean, view from the press box, you obviously said you'd rather be in with the fans, but you were around Burnley supporting commentators and media people. How how did you react? Are you always professional in this situation? Or surely you couldn't help yourself sat there and watching that? And what did it look like yeah. from above? Become, becoming less professional by the week, to be honest. It was very much a fucking game, what have you. Um, do, you do, you get off your se- do you get off your seat no, in this pub? not not that wild. Give me a chance, eh? We're, we're early. We're, we're warm in the season. We'll, we'll get to that stage eventually. But How can you yeah, contain yourself, a- though? Cause when you, moments you like, like that happen, grit your teeth. It's one of those like you know when people like you win, you like you win something or you score a goal, and you get almost like an anger of like fucking get like proving everyone wrong anger. This is like that's how I'm feeling about Blackpool at the moment. So it's very much one of those celebrations. But I just instantly turn to my right and I see just legs in the air, fucking people just storming any place that they possibly can. People having no actual idea what they're doing at that point in time. I think that's the best bit about those goals. Um, but I, you know what? I, there was a there's a thing about football for me that I like, and it's the the shout of like "go on" before the the ball goes in, and Jerry's chance just after his goal, where he does that unbelievable turn behind the defender and then strikes at Mirage. Mm. When he does that turn and yeah. he's running through and you hear that big go on, you just thought that was the moment. And I'm convinced there would have been at least five deaths in that way <laughs> before I'd have gone in. <laughs> I just, I, yeah. How would you have reacted? How would you have reacted if that? You, you would, I think, you'd have been I'd demented. Have up then, John, you'd have been Definitely. demented, Nick. I think. You, oh, I, I think there'd be people jumping into the Burnley fans on the pitch. It, it'd have been absolute. I mean, it was carnage for the third, but it'd have been next level if that had gone in. And it was such an amazing turn as well. And I watched it back this morning and. You know, so someone has said, "Oh, he could have squared it," but you're not you're squaring not that. that, are you? You're not going <laughs> to. No, of course you're not. It, and to be fair, it was a very good save from the keeper. Um, you know, and even then, it, it nearly crept in. Yeah. It just float. Um, it kind of floated in slow motion, yeah. didn't it? Yeah. Just yeah. passed. That's Burnley in the first half. It's going in, isn't it? You know, everything yeah. was going in for them. Um, it, it was an amazing turn, and yeah, my God, it. it it, well, you, we'd be talking about it for the rest of our lives, wouldn't we? Yeah, we'd have ended yeah. up winning that game 4-3. It, it, it would have been unbelievable, but sadly wasn't to be. But yeah, it was uh, it was brilliant turn and a great effort and a decent save. I think, it, I think well, as well with that, um, the the initial movement from, from Jerry, you see him sort of sensing what Bowler, Bowler's looking for an option there and Bowler threads that beautiful passing and Jerry's movement off there and that turn. I think we've said in the past that that Jerry can kind of do things in that, in that central number nine role that probably other players in the squad can't. And I think that was a perfect example of it. That was him, like, back to his best. That that turning behind, his, that was peak Jerry in League One when he was he was on that run of scoring those just beautiful goals. And I just thought, this is him back now. I feel like that was the real moment for him to, to kickstart. Sean, if you just look at that comment from Mike Robinson there, if Jerry hadn't scored just before, I don't think he does that turn. I think that's spot yeah. on. Uh, spot on. It's, yeah. mm, that's, yeah. it's just a perfect illustration of how much football is a confidence game, isn't it? 
Um, right. Final big moment of the game. Came in 84 minutes, Mitch. Um, the Sonny Carey incident. Um, it was a great... It was a, they call it a professional foul, what he did. Um, that Matson's breaking. Um, so Sonny Carey's come across. He's purposely clipped him. Not dangerous play. Not a goal-scoring opportunity. It's a nailed-on yellow. It's like, do that again and you're off from the ref. But the little man ref, who Eddie pointed out, he said he looks like a jockey, completely <laughs> bottled it, didn't he? Well, it was the classic case of, a, of um, a referee having a situation on his hands and then thinking, right, I've got to send off, you know, I've got to send off the Burnley lad and thinking, well, I, be- I better send off the Blackpool lad as well because it's going to cause too much, you know. And basically, Carey okay, got sent off because of the reaction of, of Matson. You know, that's that's why he got sent off. Um, I'd be really interested actually to know what he'd, what has he actually put the red down as, you know? Because I, I, he, sorry, go on. Sorry, go on. Yeah, I no, think this, this, this seems to have been a, a sort of tweaks in the rules in recent times of, of the fact that if there's any intent to play, that no intent to play the ball, it should be a straight red regardless of the situation. But I also think that there's this inform or informality of that rule for a long, long time that it, it is a yellow and it's like referees have applied it informally as a yellow card. And I think the issue for us is that we won't be able to appeal it. And as we saw today, obviously with, with Trippier, practically identical tackle that's been overturned by VAR because the informality in, in the head of, of referees is still that that's just a, a booking, but it, the law will say that we probably won't get that overturned if we do go for it because he had no intent to play the ball. He has just completely wiped the man out. But we see that all the time, though, don't we? And the, I know, we like, do, I know we do. That's the thing. What's the actual ruling? Is that is that a yellow card? Because we see that, unlike you know, obviously if it's a goal scoring opportunity, fair enough. But those type of challenges we've seen all the time at Bloomfield Road away when it happens to our players, it's a yellow, and you can you, you're not happy about it, but you accept it. So, so the the law, yeah, the law, the law is that they should all be reds then it's never applied that way because it happens so often. So I guess it's a case of the inconsistencies of refereeing. And we'll probably see that incident about 15 times now, and there'll be about eight different results on either side. Not in defence of the ref, but we sort of look at the ref's psychology. Matson's reacted in such a way that possibly the ref has, you know, to be fair to referees, A, they've always been shit. B, they'll always be shit. And see, actually, they're always unfair to everyone. So you know, complaining about referees is what every team that every every set of fans all over the country doing it all the time. Um, but Matt's, you know, a referee gets a split second to see it, and Matson gets up with such fury and lays into Carey that maybe that makes the referee think actually that must have been more violent than it, than it, than it looks. You know what I mean? Maybe the referee has assumed that Carey's been higher on him or has gone in studs up on the back of his knees or something like that, and he hasn't. He's just gone across and clipped him. The referee's got it wrong, but I think the, the point is it's the reaction that's got him sent off, isn't it? It's, it, it mm. absolutely is. Which I think, I haven't seen the trippier one, but I think I heard, I heard it on the radio, and I think from what that... What what I heard on the radio was whoever Trippier fell got up and raged at him, and the referee pulled the red out for Trippier. That then with VAR got turned to a yellow. So I think that was that was almost the same situation. 
I think the Trippier, the one on Trippier was it was probably he was it was on De Bruyne, one, wasn't it? It was probably higher up than um than Carey's was and the ref straight to the, the monitor and within five seconds he's decided it's it's a yellow. Um I I, th- I was surprised he sent him off. I thought I thought it was a yellow, but <laughs> like Sean says, if, if that's if that's in the law, then are we going to get it overturned? And the problem is, I think if you lose your appeal, does it not get increased? Does it go? Yeah, well, it's, it's already. I think it's three games, three game ban, isn't it? So it would probably yeah. it can be. I think the sort of to play the ball kind of falls under the same the same category. Can we talk about Marv's reaction, please, and how he just legged it about fifty yards over the pitch and grappled anyone in sight from Burnley? Because I thought <laughs> that was superb. They were only a little team, Burnley. Did anyone else notice that? It, it, when you watch the replay, it's like Marv shoving about about six Burnley players yeah. back at once. He's got the guy, he's got, he's, he's Martin, he's got by the throat, and there's all these Burnley players behind him. And Marv's just pushing, and like, man, they're all coming backwards <laughs> with, with just Marv there. Connolly's wrestling anybody he can find, whilst Gaz just wanders off towards the corner flag, sort of going, oh, God. Well, where, where, actually, <laughs> where, was Ga- where was Gaz when all this was happening? I never see I He always see. does it whenever there's a melee on the pitch. He always wanders off in the opposite direction. Does he really? Does he really? Does he really? Sort of thing. And butter wouldn't melt. Yeah, he never gets involved in that kind. Of, the only time Gaz ever gets involved in anything is with his own mark, with the own player he's up against, and he does that thing where he, he like throws them off like that. And he, he'll do shit. He'll do sort of. He'll throw himself to the floor and pretend he's he's been shot and do all sorts of shit out of him. But he never gets involved in the scrap on the pitch. He always walks away from. I don't, it. Never I don't that. know if it's just he's trying to keep himself contained. But probably that's probably it, Mitch. Because he yeah, knows cause he'll I mean, probably put someone in yeah. hospital if he gets involved. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's probably why. Well, the thing is now, if, if you know, if we're not. We'll see whether we appeal it, but from what Sean said, if that's the law, we we might not do. Um, it we were already struggling in midfield, weren't we? In terms of numbers, that's that's carry out for three games. Um, the team really is just going to pick itself, isn't it? Over the next few games, pretty much. Certainly in the middle. It's a good job we've only got Nigel Pearson up next day. <laughs> I bet. Um, I bet Matty Virtue must be rubbing his hands through the thinking, yes, there's another one out. I'm not going out on loan. <laughs> He'll get COVID. <laughs> um, it'd be remiss not to talk about Grimmy's save um, and the eight minutes of injury time that uh, inexplicably got show, shown up on the board. Um, Sean, I've not seen it on the, the extended highlights, which I'm quite annoyed because I want to see it again. It was down the far end. What? Describe the chance if you can remember it. Yeah, the, the ball comes the ball comes across the face, and the lads are eight eight nine yards out from goal, and and Grimmy's just spread himself and and saved it with his leg, and it's weird because I even as the ball flashed across goal, I just it wasn't going in because I've got that real confidence now that Dan Grimshaw's just going to pull off a ridiculous save every week, and he did it again. It was a great save. I think both of the keepers did well with that. To be fair, sort of using their legs for for saving chances and he did it again he spread himself well and uh, yeah I just didn't, just didn't think it was going to go in regardless of whether they could have been one yard out and I just knew that Dan Grimshaw was owed a wonder save at some stage we'd we're not had one yet so you get one per game you're right yeah exactly <laughs> uh, eight minutes gentlemen Nick were you were you worried were you worried at uh, all when yeah. the eight minutes went off and... even though you know 
we, we'd been in the ascendancy and up until the red card, it looked like there was only one team going to go on and, and get a fourth goal. Um, but Tim said to me, eight minutes, he went, they're, they're, they're going to get a, they're going to get one, aren't they? And I was just like, oh, don't say that. Um, you know, and they absolutely wouldn't have deserved it. But in eight minutes, you're thinking there's going to be a chance and, and there wasn't. Thankfully, Grimmy saved it. And it had just been so unjust mm. if they'd have, if they'd have got a winner. Um, and we were kind of, they did have a bit of pressure, didn't they, in that, in that eight minutes. And we were, we were struggling to get out a bit. And I just thought, oh, and there was a couple of corners and you're thinking, Please, please God, not. Yeah. Please, God, no. I know. It had been absolutely soul-destroying if they'd have got a winner. But thankfully, they didn't. We uh, we managed to defend it all and, and hung on. But, I mean, eight minutes, it's a long time, isn't it? I know there was the red cards and there was quite a few sub- substitutions. I thought maybe five or six minutes, eight, just seemed a little bit too much for me. But, thankfully, we managed to see it out and got a very well-deserved point. Well, I think the injury time was in, in in some ways as intense as the goals, but sort of dragged out and horrifying and horrible. You know, the goals were those moments. From John, we, you, you know, the, the goals were the um, speedball moment that you mentioned before, and the injury time was the come down, just dragged out. <laughs> it was just horrendous. And we just didn't seem to be able to clear it. It was one of those where there was one point where the ball went in and Grimmy went to get it and Marv for no reason at all decided that he would clear it instead and he sliced yeah. it up in the air yeah. and then it came down and then sort of the we'd loft it away and then we'd loft it away and then the player chasing it would be bowler and you think well he's not going to get it so they'd head it back and then we'd we'd play the right ball for bowler out but then it'd be Medine running after it this time so he's not going to get it on the floor and then it'd come back and it was just horrible and husband just kept heading it away he was like he was like the only player who seemed to be able to get the ball more than about five yards away from himself. Um, it was horrific. It was so horrific that I actually can't remember the Grimshaw save because the whole eight minutes has created this like turmoil that I've sort of processed into one horrific experience, and then the final whistle went, and it was wonderful. Best analogy ever, that, by the way. Perfect. <laughs> Did make me chuckle, reminded me. Well, no, we're just not going to. <laughs> Better go there. Right? Uh, just it's as Leanne just said there, those eight minutes were, were awful. It was just, oh, it was just uh, awful, awful moment. But Sean, just to just close things off, do you think that red card gave a bit more impetus to Burnley? There were there were men on the rope, to, you, to use a boxing analogy from last night, there were men on the ropes, weren't they, at that time? And we were we were in the ascendancy. And I think that gave him a bit of a lift in it, just to sort of a change in atmosphere in the game. We'd run out of central midfielders, so it was, well, it yeah. was kind of a, the case that we couldn't control the midfield anymore because that's obviously where the, we were breaking up play in the midfield. And once we'd lost Carey, then we kind of lost that ability and they were able to just kind of overload us in the wide areas and get balls into the box. Again, it was one of those, apart from the Grimshaw chance, the rest of it, we defended the 18-yard box really well, but a bit like QPR, it feels nervous at the time, but then it's not in reality. Okay. I was laughing at that one. The eight minutes we're trying I, to get I to sleep at started, six AM. I just started typing in the private chat <laughs> to you then, John. I'd, I'd put no word of a lie. I've put six AM. 
<laughs> and then that plopped in the comments. <laughs> Lovely stuff, Michael. And I've told you to tra- change your name, Preston. You need to get that surname changed, but yeah, brilliant. Right, let's move on to uh, Twitter reactions, fans' Twitter reactions, before we uh, we head off. Uh, I do ask for um, people's thoughts on the game, so let's get one going. Barry Roberts said, the thing that stood out to me is the way we went quiet. And they did it after it was 2-1 and then after 3-1. And then it was us all game from the second half. Love the banter and the overall desire. Uh, next up, Jacko. Couldn't be there as returning from holiday. This is a game we wouldn't have gone... This is a game we wouldn't have got back into last year. Is this a game? Sorry, he's put that as a question. We seem to be building a good spirit and togetherness. Uh, time for the board to back the manager and get a touch more quality in than this team could have uh, a good season. Um, we do need the uh, backing from the board, gents, and I think it's even more important. It's critical now. We've got no central midfield. So, Sean, do you do you envisage any activity in the transfer market between now and the close of the window? Um, perhaps another loan signing or any other uh, stellar signings that are bubbling up behind the scenes? Any, any more failed medicals or rejected bids? No. Oh, hey, Oxford um, are struggling. Cameron Brown. Yeah, I know. It's in the transfer. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'd, I'd be very, very surprised when we've got a free week if we don't see one or two come in personally, um, especially when he's been talking to free agents. This is about the time where they're going to start to realise that if they thought they were getting something better, then perhaps it's not coming about and, and we're a really good option for them. Um you can have a look down that list of free agent names and there's a few that would probably stand out as, as players that would be linked with. Like Michael Appleton said he won't be surprised to see us linked with 10 or 12 names in the, the next week or so and that was kind of hinting at the amount of people he's kind of been looking at and speaking to. So he's clearly a busy man. He just seems to be doing the rounds of free agents all, all day of the week. But also there's, there's a George Hurst at Leicester, Loney, who um, it, it seems like we've been interested in for a while. Um so he could well be someone that perhaps we've, we've looked at, whether we can, we're looking at him at this moment in time. I don't know. We have been linked recently, but he's someone that we definitely were looking at earlier in the, the summer, so he could be one. Um, Elijah Dixon Bonner, who was at Liverpool at the start of summer, he was tentatively linked at the start of the summer, and he was someone that I think probably was doing the rounds, particularly when Critchley was was in charge, given the ex-Liverpool connection. Um so he's another that's still a free agent, bizarrely. I don't quite know why, but he would be um, a good addition in central midfield. But I'd be very, very surprised if there's not one or two um, by Bristol City. Just as an aside before we go on to the next one, isn't it unfortunate to see Aston Villa losing every single away game and their uh, fans <laughs> being up against, uh, being dishing out a lot of vitriol against the management and the coaching stuff? So very sad to see. Um, let's hope they, they hold on for the FA Cup, eh? Because that would be nice if we can draw them in the cup. We could seal the deal, couldn't we, by beating them yeah. in the cup? Yeah. Oh, imagine. Wonderful. Steve H, great comeback yesterday. The players fought half the draw and had chances to win it. Are we as fans or warming to the Appleton way? Um, well, yes. Steve, Sean already has. He's, he's white hot. <laughs> to the Appleton, Appleton, Appleton. Can't tell about two beers, can you? Appleton way. Um, are the rest? I think. I think there was a bit more of a connection there, gents. Yesterday after I, that win, I am hugely. I really am. Um, I 
my reaction when he was appointed was I thought the the board were trolling us. You know, it was like how have you how have you looked around the whole country and then come up with that appointment? It's it's what are you doing? And I suppose once I'd got to know what he was about a bit, I was okay. Maybe you know, I think. I think the problem was that if you if you remembered him from first time around, you had this this vision in your head of like twenty twelve era Michael Appleton just spoiling games and sort of the post Holloway bub, uh, you know the post Holloway thing where it was just he was the beginning of everything as it all just fell apart and went downhill. But I'd watched some of the preseason games and looked at the early season games, and I'd say, "Well, I like what he's trying to do, but I, I just I'm not sure that it's working." And then, yeah, I'm just so sold on what he's trying to do. It's fantastic. It's fearless. It's it's brave. It's it's everything that we wanted last year when we'd go somewhere like Derby and and try and draw a game nil nil and lose one nil and go, "Why are we so?" tepid why is he timid what are we frightened of you know it's everything that we actually asked for last year and he seems to be tactically astute as well i mean all right bowler playing in the 10 didn't work but that was a pretty good idea actually because bowler is our best player so why not put your best player in the most creative role in the in the pitch why not give that a try you know and and i i really really like what he's trying to do and i really like the way he seems to like footballers we had on the pitch last last in that game, we had at one point five really attacking players and Gabriel bombing forward. So kind of six really attacking players that would never have happened last year, never. So I, I'm 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 you know I'm clinging on to Sean's coattails as he drives the Appleton track. <laughs> <laughs> what I would say is I think that the way he speaks is kind of starting to filter through to the fans as well now, and the and he's really good at sort of explaining things and, and what he is about because he's so no-nonsense. I mean, look, what what were the... T- as Mitch kind of touched on, the t- what were the two things that people wanted last season? It was for us to go for games that we were too cautious in and it was for our manager to be honest and open and we've got both of those, so that is already an improvement on what we've got, particularly when it's working on the pitch with a squad that I was convinced wouldn't be able to play the quality of football that they've produced over the last three games or so. If you look at players in in that team and where where they were I thought Dougal was probably just about done to be honest in in terms of being a, a nailed on starter and I thought that that would be a position we'd we'd definitely look to sort of introduce someone new into and now for me he's one of the first names on the team sheet at the moment and you're seeing that individual improvement in players and you're seeing that desire for them to to be brave I mean we're five games into the season and we've just gone toe-to-toe with Burnley at Turf Moor Playing that should way, have won. in a brave fashion, should have won. Mm. If this is only five games in and you're showing that bravery, that's that's great. But obviously, the the other side is that it's a squad game. It's a long, long season, and a couple more injuries, and we'll have no one left. The old analogy: it's not a marathon, it's a marathon, not a sprint. Um, right. Thanks for that comment, Athers. Get well soon, Joe. We need to get you an unclean bell, by the way. Uh, great fight back against a very good Burnley they absolutely battered us first half under Critchley we'd have tried damage limitation and settled for a 3-1 loss <laughs> it had ended up like Peterborough White really won to Appleton entertaining football and a team with fight and lots of heart I think Joey's mirroring what we've just said um, final two before we go Jack Fallon 
This time last week, we'd have to all taken four points from two very difficult looking away games. We probably should have had six. Still short in the squad, though. Perhaps we're in a better place than most thought. I mean, yeah, let's let's just take a minute just to reflect. QPR away, Burnley away. Two very, very tough games where we've traditionally never got points from both places and we've come out with four. Should have had six. And what Sean said before, the, the, the short phrase sums up the difference to me. We've gone toe-to-toe. We haven't gone and sat in and caught them on a counter-attack and sort of got them with a sucker punch. We've gone toe-to-toe with these sides and that's that's satisfying. I, you know, I mean, we're probably going to end up finishing like 15th or 16th again because some weeks it's not going to work. We're going to go to toe-to-toe with teams and they might blow us away. But I think we're going to have a lot less... Oh, we've just won that game, or oh, we've just lost that game. I think we're going to have some absolutely fantastic games where we come away absolutely thrilled, like we have in this game. Um, some games where we might batter some teams, and some games where we might get battered. And ultimately, that's just more fun than sensible football, isn't it? Mm. That, that's the thing is, look, I don't want to rewrite history with, with Neil Critchley, but you know, the run of games where we were picking up those amazing results that around that Sheffield United time that was completely unsustainable for the amount of chances we were actually creating it's it's a much more sustainable platform the way that we're creating chances from different areas of the pitch we're not really you're not saying coming back of the back of that game going into that Burnley game my first thought was we're going to be really reliant on Josh Bowler here and we weren't I think that was important as well and it's that sustainability about the way we're playing. If you're creating from different areas, creating different types of chances, you're looking at set pieces, we're a lot better at those as well now at the moment. And that's how these performances will last. Whereas you always kind of felt that you couldn't just keep going away to these places, picking up the odd goal and then sort of being wiped the floor of generally in build-up, which is what we did at that like Sheffield United game is a perfect example of that. Just in the comments there, I, was just, I think there's one from Alex Davis who said... Um, you know, the way he's so tactically astute and, and makes his changes. That's what I really like about him. You know, he, he won't wait till 70 minutes, which we probably would have done under Critchley. Um, he'll just, he'll make a change. And, and even against Burnley, you know, we're in the ascendancy. He makes three changes. He's not changing his plan. He knows what he wants to do and he sticks to it. And uh, I think he's brilliant. I, th- I really do. And I think the team are buying into it. And hopefully the majority of the fans will do now. Mm-hmm. Alex also said we should get Kai Kai back before the window for playing the <laughs> end, so I think he's the commenter of the day. Alex, I think you can expect an invite from, from Mitch to uh, be the next panellist on this podcast or to a... Uh, what is it when people... Um, it's when you really renew your vows, you know, if you're already married, you renew your vows and I think Alex may be your best man at your renewal ceremony, Mitch, if you ever have one. Well, we silly Kai Kai. Yeah. No, with Alex. <laughs> Alex and Sully Kaka. Who were renewing about with? Uh Big Gaz. Oh, yeah, Gaz might get jealous. So forget Well, I've, I've forget said that. that there hasn't been a moment. <laughs> uh, right, I'll get that comment off. Right, it's disappeared. We're getting a lot of comments coming in. Right, finally, last one before we go. Um, from Andy. Uh, I had my doubts about Appleton 
I thought he was totally inflexible, but after, let's face it, four unexpected points in a week, I'm prepared to admit I may have been a bit nasty in uh, writing him off. Same as I did with Keo last season. I think we've all been there, gents, haven't we? Mm. I am quite interested to see no. what happens when we lose and play poorly, mind, and see what the the reaction is then. Because <laughs> I, I still think that this this fan base is so flip floppy at the moment that anything could happen. But exactly, they probably will be. But this will be that will be the test of how on board everyone is with with what's happening. Yeah, just to close this show off, um, uh, Phil Clifton is uh, taking a. Not an alternative view, a different view. Uh, MA has inherited players and built up in a group built up by Critch. We don't have to pick one and slag off the other. Yes, we do, Phil. He's not called Neil Bitchley or Neil Quitchley for nothing. (laughs) You need the sound effect, John. Uh, just well, playing it, Ben That's the thing, though. When you play well, it, it that's football, isn't it? And that's football <laughs> fans. It's, it's we're all so fickle, aren't we? Aren't we? <laughs> yeah. If you didn't get high and low in the way you do with football, and you wouldn't bother trudging around <laughs> watching it, would you? Because it'd just be observing some blokes playing a pretty absurd game, kicking a ball around that's you know from 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 a distance looks pretty much the same every week it is exactly this sort of schizophrenic nature of football that makes it addictive because you're always you're always chasing this moment where you're happy yeah. and the team's played well and you you know that's what it is mm. right anyone else got anything to say before we go bipolar david says yeah that's mm. better that's, that's, better. Per- yeah, that's a perfect yeah. description of your yeah. your average football fan isn't it and even your average one right i think uh i think that's it for the, for the evening gents thanks for your for your company it's been a, an excellent show as always thanks everybody for your for your comments in the uh the chat um yeah like and subscribe to the channel if you're watching this on youtube it's the notification bell let's get the uh the subscribe count up um just to give everyone a little teaser so everyone viewing and listening um keep this date free in your diary saturday the 8th of october and you might want to go to the winter gardens and the opera house that day after the watford game i'll just leave it at that won't say any more but you might want to visit the Winter Gardens on the 8th of um, October. I would argue some people may want to avoid it like the plague as well. But right. <laughs> Shut up, Sean. Shut up. <laughs> just because you're going to get subbed. Analysts. Just because you're going to get subbed. Anyway, <laughs> thanks for watching, everybody. Thanks for downloading. And up the pool. What a day up it was. The up the pool. Up the pool. So just before you head off, I'd just like to bring your attention to a Patreon supporter program that we are running. This enables you to just contribute a small monthly amount to help support our show and support our content. So head over to patreon.com forward slash seasiderspod. You'll find details of how to sign up. It's about £3.50 per month. Price of a pint. And for that, you get a few other bits in return, which is access to our private members' whatsapp group you'll get some exclusive podcasts 
competitions. So we generally run match pass draws for our patrons and just other random bits and pieces as they come in. And we are going to be running an extra time podcast, which is going to be an exclusive podcast just for patrons. So if you want to sign up, patreon.com forward slash Seasiders pod. It'd be great to have you on board. Thanks for listening. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything, from which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure, 24-7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.